And uh, so it's with absolute joy. Terry has been an outside elder, meaning as we were growing our leadership base, Terry, another guy, Matt, and their wives were our frame of reference. Every big decision we made, I never made it unilaterally. It was through Terry or Matt, Linda, and Krista. So one more thing I want to say. Terry is a legitimate pastor. You know, the rest of us kind of masquerade as pastors. We, we, we have the positional role. But when you see a pastor in operation, oh, Chris, you're definitely not one of those. You, you suck by comparison. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so you're going to have the privilege this evening of just being part of a pastoral conversation led by a pastor. And uh, I want you to enjoy it. Why don't you extend your hands to him? Um, Hannah, would you mind praying? Pray for Terry. And uh, Foucher, over to you. Thank you. You've got five minutes. <clears throat> All right, that's all oh, I need. A, f- a, few, uh, a few more minutes. Pray for myself first. Okay. Holy Spirit. Thanks, Hannah. My daughter's <laughs> name's Hannah. Uh, dear Lord, we thank you so much for bringing us together on this Sunday afternoon. I ask that you come into this room, that you come into each of our hearts. Um, we know you're with us, and we invite you in um, to move in us. We ask that. Um, Terry have the words to speak tonight and that you empower him and that you take him um, through this journey with us and that what he shares can be um, not only an impact to us here but an impact to him Um, and we thank you that he's here for us today and um, the journey he's had with Genesis Church and um, yeah in your name we pray amen amen thank you hello sorry we cannot, yeah. You're trying to trip me up and we haven't even started. Uh, I'm trying, but you caught me It's wonderful to be here. Nice to see you all. Um, tonight we're going to kind of do some workshopping. Is that all right? So I'll talk a little bit and then we're going to do at least one exercise that maybe you've never done before and we will do communion as part of that exercise. So um, be ready to be involved. Um, no one's forced to be involved. Um, but if you participate, I think you'll get a whole lot more out of what we're going to do today. Um, I'm hoping I'm going to give you a few tools to help you in your discipleship to Jesus. Um, I have got beyond the idea of just trying to give nice sermons and give you some nice information. And you all, I don't care much for that anymore whatsoever. I'm re- what I really care about is that we increase our ability to connect to Jesus and be and live as his disciples. And so hopefully tonight we'll do that. So what I want you to do to start off, I want you to turn to the person next to you. I want you to actually look in their eyes. It's really important. You're not going to tell them you love them and all those things. But what I want you to do is no more than five seconds. I just want you to look in someone's eyes and say, I am so glad that I can be here with you this evening. Can you do that? All right, that's enough. Too much love in the room. There's something powerful that happens when you do that. It can't happen over screens, no matter how hard you try. When two people look at each other in the eyes and and say, we are glad to be together, something actually happens in your brain that resets your relational circuit. And so I'm hoping that happens tonight as we talk, that we are relationally connected to one another and relationally connected to God. Now, if you were part of the leadership in training last time, the Monday, I, or 
I can't remember. Yeah, at your house. I did part of this, but I'm going to expand it a little bit. I think there will be questions at the end because I, I can't give all the background, so I'm going to kind of go down the middle. So please grab me afterwards and say, I've got a question, and we'll see how we can answer them. So here are some big questions that I think, and you can say yay or nay as I show them, that our culture, our time, your age group most of you live in, they the questions like, is God with me? How do I know? Our age group, we knew God was with us. Even if we didn't feel him, there was a level of way that we lived that God was with. But as we've come into this time in the 2022, people are asking that question, is God with me? How do I know? Does God speak to me? And if he does, how will I know? And some of us are only hear God out of the scriptures, and I want to tonight hopefully give you another tool to help you hear God on a more regular basis. That God becomes this beautiful friend, because we all, what a friend we have in Jesus. Do we sing those songs? But do we actually have a friendship? Do we communicate with him as a friend? Does he communicate back to us as a friend? So we're going to explore that a little bit. How can I be confident about my walk or my relationship with God into the future. The future is so uncertain. Nobody knows what's happening. The world's in chaos. Our nation's in chaos. There's so much. How can I be sure? Is there anything to latch onto? Hopefully we'll touch some of that. How can I get unstuck when I feel like my relationship with Jesus has come to an impasse? I felt like there was a time when I was soaring with Jesus and now I don't hear him. It feels like he's distant, he's not around anymore, and everybody goes through that. And that's another whole talk about talking about the wall, another time. Here's a big one. Can I trust my Jesus community with my weaknesses, my vulnerabilities, and my fragilities? The church is really good at sharing the, war, the, the, the good stories, the victory stories. Came back from Porto. Oh, came back from Live Village. Oh. But are we good when people want to express weakness and vulnerability and hurt and pain and experience that's happened in their lives? Is this a safe space for them to do that? I'm hoping we can touch on that a little bit. Um, but the, what I hope, I, the tool I hope I give you this evening really will come to its fore if you practice it, if you continue to do it. You know, uh, at the end of Matthew 7, when Jesus laid out this beautiful teaching sermon on the mount, he says, a wise person is the person who hears these words and puts them into. No, my mom says, puts them on the shelf, never thinks about it again. No, it's the one who puts it into practice. That's the person who builds a house on rock. And when storms come, not if storms come, then you stand. So hopefully we'll see this. I wrote, fruitfulness, fruitfulness will depend on faithfulness to ongoing practice. Fruitfulness will depend on ongoing faithfulness to practice. So this is where we're going to start this evening. We're going to talk about remembering that all right? And I'll share a little bit of something, of my story in that. I can't, haven't got time to share the whole story, but hopefully it will help. You see, remembering is a foundation to an ongoing interactive relationship with God into the future. 
Because we're saying tonight about God's faithfulness. Is that in the future or is that in the past? Past. When we say thank you, we're generally saying thank you for something that's happened. Now, we love to say thank you, God. I thank you, God, for what you are about to do. When we talk to our world like that, they think we're nuts. Because generally, thank you is something that we look back to. And the church, as, and as believers, we easily get spiritual amnesia. We forget the goodness of God, things we've sang about. We forget the faithfulness of God. We forget God's commitment to His people. And we get stuck. And so remembering is a way to look back, look at what God has done and say, ah, maybe there's, I've got hope for the future. So we're going to do that a little bit this evening. Um, remember, there's about 180 times in the Old Testament and about 60 times in the New Testament. That's a lot where a word gets used. It's the word zakata, which means to bring back to your conscious mind. Do not forget. Look back and recall. That's what that word means. Um, and in the Bible, and I'll give you a few examples, and there are 180 at least in the Old Testament. We're not going to go through them all. I want to give you a few just to you get a, an inkling of what we talk about when we talk about remembering. So we see God remembering his own covenant with his people. Now that's really important. Because when we find ourselves stuck in our relationship with God, when we find ourselves, is God going to come through? We've got stories in the Bible that show God coming through on, on behalf of his people. And so this one is from Exodus chapter 2, 24. It's God hearing the cries of his people in Egypt. They've been there 400 years. And it says, God heard their groaning. He didn't stop there. He remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And that set in motion a whole new way. Calling of Moses, Exodus, wilderness, promised land, etc., etc. Because God remembered. Now, some of you will say, why didn't God remember after year five? Why did it take 400 years? Good question. Not for today. We also see the prophets asking God to remember his covenant. It's one of the great things that the prophets do. One is they ask God to remember what he's promised, and then they ask the people to remember God's faithfulness. This is from Jeremiah chapter 14. Have you rejected Judah completely? Do you despise Zion? Why have you afflicted us so that we cannot be healed? We hope for peace, but no good has come. For a time of healing, but there's only terror. We acknowledge our wickedness, Lord, and the guilt of our ancestors. We have indeed sinned against you. For the sake of your name, do not despise us. In my language, that's manipulation. Manipulate God for the sake of your name. It's good manipulation. Do not dishonor your glorious throne. Remember your covenant with us and do not break it. Do any of the worthless idols of the nations bring rain? Do the skies themselves send down showers? No, it is you, Lord our God. Therefore, 
because we're asking you to remember your covenant. Therefore, our hope, and hope is always a future word, is in you, for you are the one who does all this. So we've got God remembering his covenant. We've got the prophets asking God to remember his covenant. And now we see the prophets calling the people to remember their God. This is from Isaiah 17. You have forgotten God, your Savior. You have not remembered the rock, your fortress. Do a cursory reading of the prophets. And there's always this challenge. People, people, remember God. Remember what he has done. Remember his covenant. Do you remember that sort of language? And then, of course, if you read the Psalms, remember is everywhere. And I love this when the, the psalmist is remembering, especially when things are dark, when things feel hopeless. From Psalm 42, we know Psalm 42 has this dear pants for water, but in verse 4 it says this, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. And just read the whole psalm. It's the, the psalmist in this moment of desperation and this moment of feeling lost, of feeling away, recalling something from the past that brings them out. Now, our culture this time is, is filled with people struggling with things like anxiety and depression remembering God is a vital tool not the only one but it is a vital one to help us come out of that and I'm hoping as we do what we're going to do tonight it will help now Deuteronomy anyone read Deuteronomy later Deuteronomy is basically a book yes of remembering it's Moses telling the people this is what God has done before he dies it's a whole book of remembering so it's, sometimes it's worth reading so we are remembering God's faithfulness to his covenant and to his people in the past so that we have a foundation on which to have hope for the future. What does Hebrews 11.1 1 say, the definition of faith? Anyone know? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the certainty of things unseen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So without hope, it's very difficult to have faith and if you want to have hope often you have to look backwards to the faithfulness of God and extrapolate that into your time and say God has been faithful all these times why should he stop now he will be faithful into the future therefore I have a hope and because I have a hope I can connect to that God and I can have faith because without faith it's impossible to please God but I want to say this, please be careful you just don't have faith in faith. Faith is actually a conduit. That's the way I see it. You know, in, in Ephesians 2 verse 8, it is by faith you have been saved. Is that what it says? What does it say? It is by grace you have been saved. How? Through faith. Faith is this hope gives you this faith to say God has been faithful there God therefore will be faithful here I will connect to God I will trust him I, tie, I hook the hose pipe to the faucet and now grace can flow down so that I can get saved and live so the righteous will live by faith why, why does it say that because faith is the conduit to receive grace which is the power of God for us to live every day so do you see the connection the past, remembering, 
gives us hope for the future, connects us through faith, which allows grace to flow down and do the work of salvation and ongoing growth and commitment and walking with Jesus. We need grace every single day. Now we're going to turn to that great book, Lamentations. So this is a verse I've been stuck in for a few months now. I'm loving it. We're going to read it. I'm going to, and then I'm going to put my translation up. Is that all right? If Eugene Peterson could write the message, then I can do three verses. So here it goes. This is from the NIV. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yeah? Guys, depressed. Yet, this I call to mind. Look back. And therefore I have hope for the future. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. We sang about that in one of the songs this evening. Great is your faithfulness. We'll just stop there. Now, have you got my version? I'm just going to put it up there just for... Heresy, heresy. Part of the problem with our English Bibles is that it doesn't always explain the words. And if you were to take a single word in Hebrew and unpack it to its full meaning, and then we'd have Bibles this thick, which would be really difficult to carry around or read. And so I've taken some of these words, looked at them, unpacked them a little bit, put them in my sort of language to help you maybe understand and say, oh, I can connect to that. So here we go. I remember my pain and trauma and misery and my restlessness and sense of homelessness and lack of peace. Anyone ever felt anything like that? I remember the poison in my system and the bad taste in my mouth. I'm really good at remembering them. And it causes my whole person to become depressed. Yet, if I dig deep into my memory, I can remember something that once again gives me hope, an expectancy of something good. And this is what it is. Because of Yahweh's, now I'm going to unpack that word Yahweh, because most translations say the Lord, and it's kind of a generic word, it's the word Yahweh, which means the personal, ever-present, never-leaving, covenant-keeping God. Yahweh was revealed to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus when he said, Who shall I say send me? He said, this is the first time we get Yahweh. That's God's personal name. The I am, the great I am, always with you, stuck to you like glue. God, that's the God who's sending you. So in this text, that word there, Lord, is Yahweh. So when it says because of the Lord's great love, because of Yahweh's great love. All right, let's read that again. The personal, ever-present, never-leaving, covenant-keeping God. Because of His great love. And the word love there in the Hebrew is the word hesed, H-E-S-E-D, which means glued to me love. It's a, an attachment word, Meryl. Is that right? Secure love attachment. If you do any sort of psychology, any type of therapy, that's the language they use. But that's what that word means. Now, I sat in May with a Hebrew scholar for an hour discussing the word hesed. 
And he said to me, I didn't put the word, he said, it's a love attachment word. So this God, who's the ever-present, personal, never-leaving, covenant-keeping God, has a glued-to-me, secure love attachment love for me. Now, does that explain, open that verse a little bit? It opens it up a lot. Because if I have a secure love attachment to God, then I'm going to know who His people are. I'm going to establish my identity. I'm going to establish my security. Just as a child is born, has a secure, or should have, a secure love attachment with parents, go, 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 go. joy comes in, that creates identity, that creates security, and that creates my people. And character, which is the thing we're most interested in when we follow Jesus, that we become like Jesus. What does that mean? It means that His character becomes our character. And the fruit of the Spirit is a good way to look at what is the character of God. His character becomes our character. A character is established among your people. It's established by those you are with. You did what your family did. Children cook like their mothers cook because they saw them do it. They do exactly the same thing. So when you don't have a people, so if you come from me, from a very broken family, no secure love attachments, what does that mean? I can't form good character. So I make unhealthy attachments to all sorts of other things. Those people become the place I get character from, and it's formed badly. Gangs. For example. But if we know that this God is Yahweh, He's connected to us, He's never leaving us, He's covenanted to us, and the love that He has for us is glued to us, He's never going away. It doesn't matter how bad you get, He is not going away. Oh, but I sin so badly, He's not going away. And he loves you so much that he will what when you sin? He'll discipline you. Because God disciplines those he loves. Those he's glued to. Isn't that what we do with children? Or we're supposed to. Why? Because we're glued to them. We want them to become the very best. We want their character to be shaped. And sometimes discipline is key to that. But just because discipline is connected to glued love. And sometimes that discipline comes through church leaders. Ah, we don't like that. Or parents. Oh. You know how many parents I've heard say, when I have my children, you wait and see. I'm not going to do it differently. It doesn't work out like that. So I went off a little bit of track here. Let's go back. Yet, if I dig deep into my memory, I can remember something that once again gives me hope and expectancy of something good. And this is what it is. Because of Yahweh's great said love, we do not have to be overwhelmed by everything that pressures us. His gut level, you know the word compassion means from the gut. That's what it means. His gut level aching and concern for us are constant and unchanging. Every day is a new day to experience Yahweh's hesed all over again. Get this. Yahweh is magnificent in His glue to us, never ceasing faithfulness and commitment.
Is that okay? Not heresy? All right. Close to heresy. Touch in a moment. I've, I'm, I've experienced trauma in my life. They say there are two types of trauma. There's A type or B type or big T or little T type trauma. Trauma that was done to you and trauma that for things that should have been done to you that weren't done to you. I've got both of those in my life. I'll share one or two in a moment as we get to it. But I want to say that as I've wrestled with God in these things, God has brought healing. I am a victim of trauma. I do not live like a victim. Because God can heal. But it doesn't just happen. We do, we, we engage with God to see that healing come, and I'm hoping this will help today. So we've looked at the Bible, but we too, this is where we're going to get to an exercise. We too have moments in our lives that we can look back to and remember God's presence with us, God's faithfulness to us, a word God spoke to us, something that will help us to have hope for the future. We don't always have to read the scriptures. And the more that we have those in our own life, the stronger our hope will become. Because they're our stories. Now the Bible's fixed to a certain amount, this narrative, but the narrative continues through our lives. God is still writing his story in our lives. His faithfulness and his presence in our own lives. Let's re start remembering those. So this is what we're going to do. We get into an exercise called interactive gratitude. Now on the back of the chairs, there's paper. Uh, there should be some pen and paper. If you don't like writing like that, take out your phone, open your notes or Evernote or whatever system you use. And we're gonna do a little bit of writing. Is that all right? If you do it, you'll get something out. If you don't do it, you won't get anything out of it, but you don't have to do it, okay? No one's forcing you to do anything. I did this exercise at Anthem, which is Matt Larson, with 310 people, and it was, a, it was an astounding moment. So I've done it with our own community, I've done it with my own life, and I'll, I'll, do, I'll share something of mine in a moment. So this is a practice that we can do when we have spiritual amnesia, or we feel stuck in our relationship with God, or we're at the wall, which every believer will go to where we feel like, where is God? Nothing seems to be happening. And if we begin to do this practice and do it on a regular basis with others, I'm a hazard a guess, and I'd love to come back in five months and get feedback, you will see God begin to do something. Because what we are doing here is opening ourselves up to the reality of God with us. Remember, he's stuck to us like glue. And it will open us up to hearing the voice of God which I think is really important if we want to have a relationship with someone, isn't it? Imagine ha having a marriage and you never talk to each other, you never communicate. What's well, one way? And most of us pray one way. We talk to God and then we leave God like a trying to respond and we, we walk away. So hopefully tonight we can change that. So it's a practice of remembering and being aware of God. And it's also a really important way to stay abiding with Jesus. You know, in, in John 15, which is this beautiful story of abiding with the vine, this can help you. So here it is. You're going to, don't do it yet, but this is what you're going to do. You're going to say, dear God, you're going to write a little note to God. Not long. Think of a 240 characters texting sort of thing. We're not writing a journal. This is not a 
this type of journal. We're not writing a theological paper. We are just talking to God, talking to Jesus. Say, dear God, I am so grateful. And then you're going to write what you're grateful for. Now, try, think back to a moment where you knew God was with you. Or you remember hearing God. Or you, something like that. If you can't, that's okay. Think of something that happened yesterday or today that you, would, you are grateful for and tell him that. Now, if you are here tonight and you are not yet a follower of Jesus, you are exploring faith and you're looking at this church and you think they are all weird. Yes, we are. Um, you can also do this because you can also be grateful for something that's happened in your life. Is that okay? So, dear God, and I'll give you my example in a moment, I am grateful for this. Make, try make it as meaningful as possible. As soon as you finished, short two, three sentences, you then respond as quick as you can. Dear Terry, and you write down there what you think God would say to you in response to your gratitude. Does that sound, does that sound weird? Yeah, yeah, you put your own name. It's you, it's you talking. To, so I'm just saying, dear Terry, for me. So you say, dear Chris. Uh, Chris said, no, I'm talking to someone else. Can you just wait? No. Hear it? So you're going to say, dear God, I am so thankful. I am grateful. Just whatever words you want. Your words, short sentence. And then you say, dear your name. And you write what you think God would say to you in response to your note to him. Is that okay? Don't think about it. Don't try and, I've got to get the right language. Mm. Don't, don't know. Just write what you think. All right. And at the end, we're going to then hopefully have one or two share publicly. But around the table, we're going to share with one another these stories because that's where the power happens. You think, that's a strange exercise. But I want to tell you that gratitude is one of the ways that we can get unstuck in our brains. When you're stuck and you're not hearing God and someone says, pray more, read your Bible more, fast more, do this more, it does not help. I've tried it hundreds of times. But gratitude unlocks you. All right, so can I give you my one from this morning? This is fresh off the press. As I was writing and preparing this, here's my one. Abba, I remember the day when my trauma memory emerged from my subconscious into my conscious mind. I remember that I did not feel rejected or shamed by you. I sensed your presence with me and I felt your love. Thank you for the healing. My son, I've got you. I will never let you go. I care for you deeply. And I was ready for that day. It was me who unlocked that memory. It was time. I will work it all to the good for the sake of others. So don't be ashamed. I'm in this journey with you. You hear what's happening? So quickly, I want to tell you, just so that you know, when I speak about my trauma, I am a victim of sexual abuse that got suppressed because of the pain when I was by a priest when I was about, I don't know, 13, 14. 
if you had no boys' school and you would speak about those things, what, what do you think would happen? We're talking about the early 70s in South Africa. What do you think would have happened? We would have been called names that we, we, we wouldn't use those words today. You'd be shamed, you know. And so what do you do? You suppress. You don't share emotion because emotion is weakness. If you're weak, someone will take advantage of another trauma's in oh, I won't go into what this whatever. So you, you suppress. You can suppress so much to eventually you forget. And then you wonder why you live a certain way and you have no reason why you live a certain way, but you live a certain way. Until one day God or something unlocks that and it floods back, gives meaning to everything that's been happening and you allow God to break in and it brings healing. We live in an era today where I think I could have shared that. I would not have felt the shame or the ridicule or the what people would have called me. In that memory being revealed, in that God coming in and doing a work, God moved me from a, my timeline, which I call a Kronos timeline. This is my, from the day I was born to the day I die, this is my timeline, to a Kairos timeline, the Jesus life, where in my Kronos, I am a victim of sexual abuse. In my Kairos timeline, I do not live as a victim of sexual abuse because God has healed me. And he's a, more than that, he's used it to help others. If we're a community where we can share weakness, God will come. Well, not only will God come, the whole city will come because there are a lot of people in pain. A lot of people broken have nowhere to go. And we need to be tender with people's brokenness. As Jesus was. So you're going to do the exercise now. No longer than five minutes maximum. Dear God, something you're grateful for. Try and make it meaningful. And then, my dear daughter, my dear son, whatever your name, and say, what do you think God would say in response to that? Is that okay? Go. Okay, so why did we do this? One, it's for you to look backwards, to remember something of what God has said or is doing, or you're grateful, whatever, and you're expressing that to the Lord. It's a form of worship, is it not? Worship's not just about singing. Worship's about living a life with Jesus. So you've expressed that. You've given Him opportunity to speak back to that very thing. And you hear... I would hazard a guess most of us hear God better than we think we do. We just never put it into practice. So start practicing and see what happens. See how the voice changes. When you have a little child and you, you know, 
practice, that child will know your voice and you will know that cry. Anywhere, but practice. So that's what we're doing, you practice. And then you speak it out. Now, we, six people did it. We all said, that's the kind of thing God would say. So now you get a sense, oh, that's how God speaks to my people. So when I have a need and I'm not sure what God is saying, I can come to my people because I know they hear God like I hear God. And they can pray and hear for me. And when I'm struggling, I've got a people to come to who hear God. It's not just a people doing something. They actually hear God. So now you're establishing your people. If you establish your people, you can now build character. Because you take on the character of your people who want to be close to Jesus and hear Jesus and who love to talk about what Jesus says to them, to others. You're building up community, your people. It establishes your identity and it's most important, it establishes security. And if you are secure, you can come with your brokenness and your weakness knowing it will not be messed around with. It will be handled tenderly. Now, we've just done an elementary moment. There's so much more to this. But I'm going to encourage you to practice it. Now, are we okay for a few more minutes? All right, so we're going to jump too quickly to uh, Philippians chapter 4, which is a great verse which often gets used badly. I don't know. Don't ask me those questions. I'm going to start in, in chapter 4, the verse five the second part of verse five the Lord is near do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus this is misused because when people are anxious we say do not be anxious the Bible says don't be anxious I don't think that's what that text says at all I think that text says that when you are anxious, remember, God is near. So if you read the Great Commission, I'm with you. I'm glued to you. The Lord is near. Now, doing this exercise, it's like, oh, God is here. Because God wouldn't be speaking if he's not here. He's here. He's with you. He's speaking to you. God's here. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious, but... In every situation, whenever you are anxious, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Now go look at Paul's letters at the end of them. Wherever he talks about prayer, he includes thanksgiving. Gratitude. Why? Because gratitude unlocks you to hear God's word. And then the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. There's a whole package. So when you are anxious... This era is filled with anxiety. When you are anxious, don't bottle it. I'm not anxious, I'm not anxious, I'm not anxious, I'm not anxious. That'll just mess you up more. Say, no, no, I'm gonna remind myself because I've been doing the practice. God is near, he's speaking to me. Therefore, I can talk to him. I can bring him the prayer, why? With thanksgiving, why? He'll talk back. And that peace of God, now, if you've got a prayer request and God speaks back to you, you're going to feel God, God's peace. And you can say, ah, oh, I'm okay in this world with this anxiety. God is with me. 
Does that make sense? And I'm, I'm really summarizing here. But please don't make people suppress anxiety. Handle it in a proper way, like the text says. God is near, thanksgiving, peace. Shalom. All right, so now we're going to do communion. Is that okay? Communion is a meal of thanks and remembering. Do this in memory, in remembrance of me. We're supposed to break bread often. You're supposed to do it around your own table with family and with friends. You're breaking bread. You recall to mind the goodness and the wonder of what Jesus achieved on the cross and through his resurrection. And you, you remember and you give thanks. It keeps you grounded in the gospel. It keeps you grounded in what God has said and God is doing. It's looking at something in the past to give you hope for the future, we sing that song, we, our hope is steadfast and certain, gone through the curtain. Jesus has done something that gives us hope. His resurrection gives us hope. There's no resurrection without death. We're remembering, we're being grateful, establishing hope, cause faith, yes, I can live into the future. I can be about the things of God. When they talk about the nations, yes, why? God is alive. He's talking to me. He's here. It's not some abstract God. This remembering, this one here, this table, this communion, breaking of bread, Eucharist, it anchors us in the heset, glued love of God. Because the reason we have this for God so loved the world. Do you know that God is glued to those who don't even know him yet? Have you ever thought about that one? As we would say, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Think about it. I'll say that. This remembering anchors us in the heset love of God. So what we're going to do, another few minutes of exercise, we're going to come to the table, take bread, pour, Grape juice, think it's wine. Break into twos and threes, fours, and four maximum, okay? Little groups. And would you be willing to share some of your gratitude interaction that we just did with one another? Is that right? And then just pray for one another. How's that? You think we can do that? So we're going through a whole gamut of starting on this remembering and ending with the table, communion. Are we up for it? It means you're going to have to stand up, push the chairs aside, create little groups. There's tables all over the place, but try to do it in groups of three or four. If you're here for the first time and you don't know anybody, please come and talk with me or Chris. We'll break bread with you and help you through. Please don't. Yeah, yeah. So as we do that, Father, we come to this table in the name of your son, Jesus. The one that is the demonstration of your great has said for us. And we thank you, Jesus, that you loved us so much that you went to the cross. And we thank you, Father, that you loved us so much you sent the Spirit to raise Jesus from the dead. And then you sent your Spirit into our lives. Today, as we gather this table, we remember, we celebrate with gratitude what you have done. 
and we ask that you would propel us into our futures. In your precious name. Amen.